Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Saturday session. Today we have a special new program in conjunction with Saranapala Amdru, a Sri Lankan, a Bangladeshi monk who ordained in Sri Lanka and who teaches in Toronto. He's invited several monks, including myself, to take part in a discussion. I don't know if it's weekly or bi-weekly or monthly. We'll have to see, but it's today anyway. Tonight at 6 p.m. my time, which is three hours from three hours from now. And today's topic is the Karaniya Metta Sutta. Karaniya means what should be done. Karaniya. Kara is the root to do in regards to doing. Niya should be, should, what you should do. So I tried to think of a translation of the Karaniya Metta Sutta. It's not, doesn't lend itself easily to translation. But it's the Sutta on Metta, which we often translate as something like love. It probably means something closer to friendship or friendliness. But love is such an ambiguous word that it could mean love, depending what you mean. It's one one sort of love. Uh, it's a sutta about love, but it's about love as a part of what should be done. Metta is a part of what should be done. So that's what we have to do. It's our to-do list, including and, and focusing on metta. Now, more specifically, according to the story, it's what the Buddha encouraged a group of monks to do. It's what he instructed them to do. These monks had gone off to live in this deep, dark forest, Maybe that sounds too ominous, a pleasant, peaceful, agreeable forest, suitable forest for the practice of meditation. But they found that they had such dreams and such visions of disembodied heads and spirits and ghosts and moaning and wailing and screaming and just were disturbed constantly by these visions and sounds. 
it seems the 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 devas living in this forest the forest angels We're not happy about these monks being there. The 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 story story goes that it was expected among angels and devas to be respectful towards. I'm not sure if it was just Buddhist, but maybe any sort of religious person. And so normally they would live in their trees and dance in the treetops. But they couldn't do this because out of respect for the monks, they had to come down and, and live on the ground. And they weren't happy about this because it was it was considered disrespectful for them to live above the monks. And so they thought, well, what are we going to do? We can't live like this. So they schemed together to drive the monks out with scary visions and sounds. And so the monks left and they went back to the Buddha and said, Venerable Sir, we just can't live there. It's, that place is haunted. We won't gain any any focus or concentration there. We won't be able to see clearly. We'll be too distracted by these ghosts, these spirits. And the Buddha considered and he thought to himself, "Is the best thing for them is to just go back there to face their situation. And so he said to them, well, see, the problem was when you went before, you didn't have any, you didn't have the right weapon. You didn't have any weapon to fight. And so he said, I'm going to give you a weapon against these malevolent spirits. And he taught them the Karaniya Metta Sutta, and he taught them to chant it. And he said, chant this as you're entering into the forest. So it's actually a chant that is used, a sutta that is used, that is chanted quite ubiquitously across the Buddhist world. And it's used especially, or it's recommended to be used especially for monks when they go to a new place. A monk is staying overnight in a new area, or Buddhists as well, non-monastic Buddhists. When they stay in a new place, will often chant this sutta, or at least do the things it tells you to do. And one of the great things about this sutta, it's very famous as a practice of metta. But one of the great things about it is it doesn't stop at just metta, because of course, metta, no matter how great it might be, and it is pretty great, it isn't sufficient. It doesn't describe the Buddhist path. It isn't what the Buddha taught, not in its essence, not at, at the core of the Buddhist teaching. You know, It's not the core of the Buddhist teaching. But the sutta doesn't stop there. It's It starts with what should be done. And it ends up with metta as, as a practice. As a practice for someone who has done everything else as preparation. That one should dwell with metta, with friendliness, with kindness, 
as someone who is on the path already, who is doing all the things they, that are necessary, and that are sufficient, sufficient to reach the santang padang, the peaceful path. So what should be done, the Buddha starts by saying, sakko, one should be capable. You have to be competent, which is really on us. We have to be the ones to do the work. We can't rely on others to tell us what to do. We have to be capable ourselves. Uju. Uju means we have to be upright. Ujuja, suhujuja, really means the same thing, I think. Suuju, uju means upright, straight. In Thai, they would say tongpai tongma, straight in our dealings, not crooked. Crookedness, the manipulation, the, the, con the con deceit. You can't cling to things when you're when you're there's no crookedness. If you think of what it means to cling, if you want to cling with your hand, you have to bend your hand into a claw. But a straight hand cannot cling. For someone who is upright, it's like non-stick Teflon. Suwacho, suwacho, we should be easy to talk to, easy to admonish. When someone points out our flaws, our faults, we should not get angry. We should be appreciative, thankful, and considerate when others point out our flaws. Doesn't mean that when people point out your flaws that they're right. I mean, usually it's a bad thing to point out other people's flaws. It's a sign of flaw being flawed yourself. But as the recipient of the criticism, the proper thing to do is to 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 consider carefully, to appreciate when someone criticizes you, because it it's so easy to dismiss and ignore the, the, the problems we have. You know, the deep, our deep-set problems are so much a part of our psyche that we're, we have a very hard time acknowledging them, coming to terms with them, facing them. And so an important part of our practice is to listen when people, when people criticize us, admonish us. Mudu, we should be pliant, flexible. A very important part of the practice is flexibility. Being able to adapt, not being rigid or, or stuck in our ways, expectant of things to be a certain way. Anatimani, we should not be conceited. We should not hold ourselves up. We should be humble. 
think that goes without that that doesn't need any explanation really because humility is such a widely respected virtue humility is something beautiful and and of course means sincere humility it it is possible to put on airs of humility you sometimes find this with buddhists because we're taught that that egotism and and attachment to self and so on is wrong and so it's very easy for it to become a sort of a fake practice of intentionally acting humble like as an intentional practice with good intentions perhaps but humility can't be contrived humility is 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 beautiful but it's also very difficult for it to be pure it's a challenge for us to really and truly let go of our ego let go of our, our conceit Santusako, one should be content. Contentment is a huge part of the Buddhist teaching, both both worldly, in terms of our uh, possessions being content, but also content with our experiences, learning to experience things without any judgment, as though we wish it was another way or we hope it stays this way. Santusaka means being okay with whatever. Subaru, easy to, uh, or, or not, not being not a burden, being a light burden. means not being a burden on another subaro bara is being a burden baro burden su means light or easy someone for people who help us for people who support us not being a burden on others apakicca not being busy not being a busy body, getting busy with work or hobbies or sidetracked by projects. Now, there are there are works that, of course, we have to do. People in the world have to do, and there there's work that even monks have to do. And so, it isn't true that always we should be apakicca. Sometimes we have we we'll have kicca that we have to do. We have work that we have to do. But when you're undertaking the practice, intensive practice, which is, of course, the goal of, of, of following the path in the first place, during that time, you have to put aside even wholesome and good uh, works. Salohukavuti means with light and light duties. So don't get too caught up in in our duties as well. Santindrio, we should be have peaceful faculties. 
See, this is all even before you even attempt to practice metta. So it's a really good instruction. And it's not just about leading up for metta. Metta is a part of this preparation. This is a part of how we prepare for our cultivation of the path. Santindrio means our faculties should be peaceful. I guess in regards to the six senses, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, thinking, we shouldn't let them inflame us. We should be at peace with whatever we see or hear so we're not afraid or upset or attached to anything. We're at peace with them. And also it, our, our, our physical faculties, like our, our, our hands and our feet, so that we are peaceful in our actions. Not killing or stealing or harming others. Nipako, you should be wise, shrewd. Shrewd, you should be uh, clever. Apagabo, not proud or uh, brash, reckless. Kulesu ananugidho, we should not be attached to society. Kulesa means, kulesu means. Uh, families in, in regards to families and it means society it means getting caught up in socializing Should not do any little wrong deed. That that wise people would censure us for even the smallest wrong. We should not do it. And then we should cultivate metta. The rest of the sutta talks about metta, and I'm not going to go into that. I don't want to spend too much time talking. But I will say that if you want to learn more about the Metta Sutta and the practice of Metta, which I assume will be the focus of tonight's discussion, then join us at 6 p.m. I'm thinking I will be back on YouTube at 6. Now, it's being streamed by the host, but I'm thinking I'm going to stream it as well from our end. Or maybe if Chris is here, he'll stream it for me. I, I I won't put push that on him, but I'll be here at six, and I can just stream it from here. I think. And it ends the the sutta. Also ends the last thing I'll say is that it ends by reminding us that what's really necessary. You, you, metta is the focus of the sutta, and he talks about wishing all beings to be happy. But then he says, with all of this, there's still more. 
He says, Titincha Anupagama, not getting pulled away by views, getting distracted by views. Silawa being ethical, virtuous, dasanena, sampano, being filled with having having perfected one's vision, having completed one's one's quest for vision to see clearly. Kami suvinayagedhang. working one's way out of greed, getting, pulling oneself out of the mire of greed and in regards to sensuality. One will not come to further birth, further rebirth. That's what leads to freedom. So it's an important sutta. It's important as well because of its teaching on metta, because metta is an important tool that we use. Free our minds from anger, hatred, cruelty. It's a useful tool for stabilizing the mind, but also it it has a depth of teaching to it, reminding us of what we should do, how we should prepare ourselves and provision ourselves for the for the journey. So that's what I have to say today. Now we'll go on to the Q&A section. If anyone has questions, go ahead. Feel free to write them out. If you don't have questions, you can just close your eyes and we can meditate together. But we have here today Ulu and Jim, our doing some moderation in the chat. And from now on, it will be questions only, please. So they're going to organize and Chris will ask the questions. Chris is here to ask. Okay, let's begin. I often feel very anxious and can't seem to get rid of it. I try to label it as anxious and meditate on it. Is there anything else I can do to help? So a big part of it is is letting go of the intent to get rid of it. Because that will just make you more anxious, the need to get rid of it. You have to see that, right? Trying to get rid of things is part of the problem. That's not what we're trying to do here. The going away of things is, is really the non-arising of things. And they don't arise because of wisdom because of clarity and familiarity, because they no longer have the power over you. So when you note to yourself anxious, don't expect for it to fix your problems. Expect for it to help you see them more clearly so they have less power over you. You have to understand where the solution lies. It's not in getting rid of things. It's in not letting them affect you, even if they do come up. Not letting the things that would trigger um, anxiety trigger it because of a greater sense of clarity and familiarity and 
strength of mind. So try and note the desire, the disliking of it, that sort of thing. I often stress and worry I'm creating bad karma in regards to COVID-19, even though I'm taking it more seriously than the vast majority of people in similar situations as me. Do you have any advice to help with this? Well, the unfortunate thing is that the stress and the worry are bad karma. <laughs> and so you have to understand something about karma, that karma is, is very much our mental state. So what you really have to do is, if you don't want bad karma, you have to learn to overcome the worry and the fear by saying to yourself, worried, worried. I don't know if you've read our booklet on how to meditate. That might be a good place to start. If you want to do an at-home course, that might help as well. I tend to spend more time than needed on YouTube. What should I note to lose this craving for entertainment? Would noting, liking, liking help? Liking, wanting, and there's going to be a lot involved seeing. I mean, watching YouTube is not the end of the world. You just have to find time to be mindful as well. I mean, I, I guess my point being there that it's about priorities. Our priority is not to stop ourselves from watching YouTube. It's to stop ourselves from wanting to kill and steal and lie and cheat and take drugs and alcohol. So work on those. And if you're good with those, then you, know, you work in stages. Start to do a, have a daily practice of meditation. But don't expect for yourself to be able to give up things like watching YouTube videos. It's a fairly uh, innocuous practice and very hard to, to dig that deep unless you're going to do some sincere, intensive practice. Focus on what's more urgently important. When returning to the stomach, is it correct to note the focus of the stomach as sitting? If not, should I expand my awareness around it to feel the sitting, or do I need to focus on my posterior? When you're focusing on the stomach, it has nothing to do with sitting, so you just should just note the movements of the stomach if that's what you're focusing on. Sitting has, has very little to do with the stomach. It's much more to do with our legs, our back, our bottom. It's a posture, so it has to do with the ordering of the limbs, the, the, the direction, the layout of the limbs. But I mean, honestly, if I ask you, are you sitting right now? Could you give me an answer? And whatever it took for you to know that you were sitting right there, that's all you need to focus on. Once you know that you're sitting, just say sitting. I often feel like I need to make my grandparents proud of me before they pass away. It feels imperative, like I absolutely must do it. 
Maybe I've just built up this belief very strongly. Any advice on how to help with this feeling? Well, it's not an evil intention. I would just try and be mindful of it. I don't know if you've read our booklet on how to meditate, if you want to do an at-home course, but just try and try and be mindful of the feeling, the intention, the inclination. Should the meditation feel effortless? Since we do not chase anything, should the simple welcoming of phenomena feel effortless? There's not really a should in how it will feel. It's about how it does feel. If it feels whatever way, then you should note that. If it feels effortless, you can even note that. Effortless or knowing, knowing that it's effortless. I, mean, I guess that's not quite fair because that's that's a fairly effortless effortless will be a big part of how it comes to feel, but it just starts to feel natural. You just start to experience things as they are. When sitting cross-legged, I sometimes feel I'm going to fall backwards, and I feel tension from trying not to fall. I've heard about a falling illusion. Is this it? What can one do about this? There's not really anything to do about it. Just live with it, deal with it, try and be mindful of it. Is it okay to use some time to find out what sensations are most prominent in the moment? It is slower, but I find it easier to see them clearly then. We're not trying to make things easier. Don't try and fix things so that it's manageable. When things are unmanageable, you've, you've got to learn to manage them. No, I wouldn't take time. I would just be, get better at at seeing whatever's, I mean, what, by the time you've spent some time looking for what's prominent, everything's changed already. It's it's all new now, different now. So when we say focus on what's prominent, I mean, it should be obvious because that's what it means, the most obvious thing. And it doesn't matter if you're exactly sure that it's this and not that. Whatever you're noticing right now, note that. During sitting meditation, when I do not exaggerate or control my breath, it becomes so shallow that it is hard to sense falling. Is noting falling proper when I'm only aware mentally but not physically? It can be vague. The, the, the falling can be not so clear. You can try putting your hand on your stomach. But if you're aware that it's falling, I mean, try and notice. With the hand, you'll be able to start with that, but eventually... Even when it's vague, you, you can notice at least a little bit of the movement.
Is mindfulness an activity of doing, or rather is it what is left when I don't do anything, like continuous, pure mindfulness? Mindfulness is a quality of mind. It's what we're trying to evoke through our practice. Our practice is very much about doing something. So I would recommend if you haven't read our booklet, you can try reading that. That uh, mindfulness is, is a quality of mind we're trying to evoke. I have difficulty knowing that people are spiritually poor. I can feel ashamed and guilty that I have all of this, and they are lifeless in comparison. What can I do about this? Well, you can't flatten the world. You can't make everyone spiritually rich, as you label it. Some people who will never be interested or able to appreciate the truth, good things freedom. Buddha said, focus on your own, watch your own feet when you walk. Can I note something as conditioned, i.e., can I label it as conditioned, conditioned, conditioned? No, that's we're not about adjectives, we're about nouns. So whatever it is that you're experiencing, you should note that. If you're aware that something is conditioned, you should say knowing or thinking or something like that. Is it okay not to give money to begging children of a certain ethnicity? They became very insistent lately every time they see me, and it's getting dangerous for me. How compassionate is this? I would be very careful about ethnicity. People of all sorts come in all shapes and sizes, and you don't want to get prejudiced about someone's ethnicity because they're always going to be... I mean, ethnicity doesn't mean anything, really. It means something in terms of our culture and so on, but in all cultures there are good people and bad people. Is it okay to not give money to kids, to, to beggars, begging children? I would say that yes. I mean, the, the, you have no obligation to do good deeds. You just have to do your best to cultivate good karma. So... There are many reasons why you wouldn't give something to someone. If you really want to let go, though, best practice is just to give whenever anyone asks. It's not a very sustainable practice in terms of making a livelihood, but it's the ultimate way. And that's why, of course, with as monks, we give up pretty much everything and we try to keep only things that no one else would want. But I wouldn't worry about not giving if, if you don't feel it's right to give. You're under no obligation to do it. You should give when, when and where you feel comfortable.
What if you were never loved as a child? How do I meditate on unconditional love, a feeling that I am unfamiliar with? Well, the fact that you're unfamiliar with it means it makes it a good subject for you to, to gain skill in. As long as you understand the words and the meaning behind the words, then you can try and cultivate the intention that they be true. May all beings be happy. If you really intend for that, that's what we might call love. It's not actually love. It's friendliness or metta. metta. Since the topic involves metta, every time I practice, I have no problem being compassionate about others, even ones who do me harm. I do have problems being compassionate with myself. Do you have advice for this? Well, towards yourself, it's not exactly compassion or love. It's something different. It's, I mean, it's giving up the hatred as well, but it's involved. The solution is much deeper. It's about giving up conceit and uh, attachment to self. So the, really the best way is with uh, insight meditation, mindfulness to see clearly. I don't know if you've read our booklet, but recommend reading our booklet, taking a course, seeing how that helps. I'm a bit stuck. I have a lot of guilt from not being able to practice. It would be a success to even practice a minute a day. The obstacles I find are, it is not worth it, nothing will change. What can I do about this? Try to start practicing here and now. Don't worry about the minutes or hours that you do for the day. Try and just be mindful whenever you can. That'll teach you. You'll start to see more clearly. You'll learn things about yourself. You'll find more peace, more happiness. You have to not think of the practice as a, a an entity because it becomes like a monster itself. Try and live for the live in the present moment as much as possible. See things just as they are right now. I'm practicing meditation and I'm having thoughts about people who seek long discussions with me about worldly affairs, Buddhism included. I wish people would leave me be. What would be the way to cope with this? Well, wishing is always going to lead to stress and suffering when you don't get what you want, so try and note that. When you have thoughts, then you should note the thoughts. don't know if by practicing meditation you mean you're practicing the way we practice. If that's not the case, I might recommend reading my booklet. I think there might be a version of it. I'm trying to live a spiritual life, and I'm religious, but I love playing video games. Is it okay to be a gamer if going this path? 
Well, video games are breaking the eight the eight precepts. I would say. I mean, it's entertainment, so it's going to slow down your practice, but it's not going to. It's not really. Depending how intent you get on it, it's not really going to prevent you from progressing. It's just going to make it a lot slower. So no, you can be a Buddhist and play video games for sure. Sometimes a bad thought will shoot into my mind. It can be a racist comment or something sexual. How do I get this to stop? I also do not feel like these are my own thoughts. Yes, yeah, so thoughts are not a problem. You might have the worst and most perverse and evil and wicked thoughts. Just let them be. They're just thoughts. They come and they go. The more you try to prevent them, the more power they gain over you and the more reactionary you become. Then that's where the real problem is. Thoughts are not the problem. The problem is wanting to act on the thoughts, agreeing with the thoughts, believing them to be right. Just see them as thoughts and try to be patient and let them come and let them go. They're just thoughts. As you see, you can't control your thoughts. You aren't in charge of what you think. From not practicing at all to practicing for some time, would you recommend setting a specific time of the day to practice and starting with just a few minutes to grow a habit and build from there? I do. I recommend thinking of it like that. Do what you can when you can. We'll see how it grows as a habit. Right, but don't be discouraged when if you later on you stop doing it. I mean, just you can always start again. Start whenever you can. Keep starting. Is it beneficial to write down meditation instructions or should one operate more so by memory? I don't really have an answer for that. Whatever works best for you. If disliking and liking needs an object of its own liking and disliking, does that mean every other emotion needs an object to be experienced? Okay, this sounds speculative. Have we missed? Have we lost? Have we left the, the tier one questions? No, Bante. Well, this isn't a tier one. So, I, I I'm not sure. I mean, I think the answer is yes, but I, I I balk at even trying to answer it because it doesn't really matter if there's liking and disliking. You should note those. Sorry, I know I'm I'm reprimand i'm not i don't mean to be uh, to reprimand my helpers but uh I w this is my answer to this question is that uh, i would focus more on the fact that there is liking or disliking if there is we're not really concerned about the object in fact of anything so even liking and disliking we're, we're interested in the liking and the disliking and or the object but but independently, we're not so concerned about what leads to what or what takes what. 
We're just trying to see things as they are. All of that other stuff will come by itself. You'll start to see how things work together. That's just a natural outcome. Meditation can be very confusing. How can the person behind the doubt and mystery be encouraged? Wouldn't it be great if people were more confident about meditation and Buddhism? I don't think meditation is all that confusing. I, mean, I don't think mindfulness is all that confusing. I think we confuse ourselves. Like one thing people do is doubt whatever they're doing. And that can be a problem in meditation because there's nothing complicated about the, the practice, but our minds are so complicated. That's where the problem is. That's where the confusion comes from. You'll see once you start to see clearly, once your mind starts to clear up, you'll see that there isn't a great confusion or complexity or, or difficulty in understanding it. There's difficulty of not trying to go deeper and more abstract. That's where the real problems are. Actual meditation is pretty simple. I often find that I start to note one thing and note another before I finish noting the first thing. Is this a sign that I'm going too fast, trying to do too much? We're not really that interested in signs, not like that. It's uh, I would just not not be concerned too much about it. Continue on, note something, note whatever's clearest. Once it's gone, one thing is gone, then we usually try to go back to the stomach. That's a good rule of thumb. For a paranoid schizophrenic who has good response to medication and is unclouded on antipsychotics, can this person attain wisdom, stream entry, do antipsychotics prevent proper practice of insight meditation? I think they might. I mean, I'm not the Buddha to give you the answer of what's actually true, and I don't know enough about how antipsychotics work. I mean, obviously, they're physical, they aren't actually mental. So, but that being said, the, the mind is very dependent on the body. I mean, I, my inclination is to say that yes, they probably do affect your practice in a negative way. I would say a person who is responding well to the antipsychotics should try to see if they can slowly wean themselves off of them with the help of a doctor. I mean, I don't know what it's like to be schizophrenic, but from what I ha do know and you know, from what I have read and heard from others, it seems like there are ways to manage it with mindfulness. How can we note the feeling of hopelessness? Is hopelessness correct, but just imprecise? Yeah, I mean, you can note it, but I, I would rather try to figure out what you mean by that. Hopelessness is a judgment of things. So if you feel hopeless, then you might be depressed or angry or upset at the very least.
When my mindfulness is more continuous, I start having moments of clarity during the day in which I forget my identity and my worldly reference points. Is this also just something to note? Yeah, I would note something like knowing, knowing, feeling, perhaps. Don't get attached even to good things. I mean, good things will come, and that's a good thing, right? It's good that the good things come, but don't get attached even to them. Lately, I am overcome by thoughts of death and what the afterlife has in store for all of us. Is there an angle to approach this fact without being overcome with anxiety and depression? Again, so, so rather than trying to avoid the anxiety and depression, try and face them head on. Because as long as you're susceptible to them, they're going to pop up. And you, so you gain imperviousness through facing them and understanding them. When I'm having fun, I'm a little discouraged because I can't see distinctly the pleasure from the liking. Do you learn to see this over time? Yes, as you practice, you'll come to see that liking and the happiness that's supposed to come from liking is really inferior to peace and clarity. Now we're properly into the next tier, Bante. Okay, I think I'm going to ask to end early. I'm sorry. Um, there, but as I said, there will be a session tonight, so it's in two hours and ten minutes. At 6 p.m. Eastern Time, two hours and 10 minutes from now, and we'll be broadcasting again here. It sounds like Chris will be helping me then as well. We might turn off comments. I'm not sure. We'll have to see how it goes. But it's, uh, I won't be doing a lot of the talking then. I, I'm assuming that I'll take a back seat to some of the more senior monks, uh, but I'll try to chip in when I can, pitch in when I can, what's the word? Join in. Uh, so you're welcome to join us here again in two hours, 10 minutes. See how that goes. I don't know what it's going to be like. Maybe it will be great. I think it might be a very great thing. We'll have to see how it goes. No expectations. Until then. Have a good present moment. Sadhu. Sadhu.